Gee, Brain, what do you want to do tonight? What? D- do you know what that's from? Pinky and the Brain. Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> and then you, and then you go. The <laughs> what Same thing it? we do every oh, night, yeah. Pinky. Try to get people to listen to Brainy Days. <laughs> Hello, hello, everybody. Hey. Welcome back to Bernie Days for episode number three. If audio quality sounds a little different today, we're sorry. We apologize. Polly's back is hurting a little bit. Blame it on me. But he's being... I'm not blaming it on you, but he's being a good trooper. I have him literally laying on the floor with his head inside my closet so we can have some soundproofing. But let me know if it hurts, and then we can stop recording. We can make it through this. Yeah, I hope y'all got to listen to the first two episodes. The uh, first one was sort of trying to define what this podcast is to us, uh, hopefully what it is to you viewers, listeners, <laughs> and uh, the second episode was uh, more or less about our feelings around COVID, how we're coping, just different things going on in regards to COVID and mental health. Um, so yeah, I hope you, hope you enjoyed those. Today's episode, I would say, would also kind of complement some of the things we talked about in our COVID episode, because today we're talking about introversion versus extroversion. Paul's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. And I think that made us also cope in different ways for, for the quarantine and everything. I have so much cool stuff for this. Uh, so introversion and extroversion is definitely a spectrum of behavior. And I think as time goes on, people try to use these terms less because everybody's a little, little ambivert. They're a little bit of both. But I do think, in my opinion at least, that it describes a lot of different kinds of social behaviors in a really simplistic way. And I think usually people do favor one or the other. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, when I first heard about this, it, it seemed sort of almost revolutionary in the idea. Of course, I heard about it when I was much younger. Um, and I was like, oh, that, that explains so much. Uh, but then, obviously, as I, I grew up and realized things were far more complex, as they usually are. Uh, it, like, like, yes, I, like, the, everything is definitely on a spectrum here, um, and it does encompass a wide range of behaviors. Uh, sometimes it almost feels too simplistic. Yeah, and in general, and I'm sure most of you already know what these terms mean, but introverts are kind of, I guess, specifically, they, they usually, like, it's usually described as a social thing, right? Um, yeah, like re- re- like more reserved, more drawn back, um, whereas extroverts are perhaps usually seen as more outgoing, more forthward in their actions. Uh, but I, well, I think the way that I have typically heard it, like what like the the technical thing is, I I don't know how particularly true this is. I'm not really well versed on uh, introversion, extroversion stuff. But what I've typically heard is that where you fall it depends on where you feel like you like recover your like source of energy from right um so if you're drained is it going out with people and like in social settings to sort of like recuperate or regenerate or is it withdrawing into your own room maybe reading a book just sort of sticking to yourself is that how you recuperate yes definitely and i think i did a little reading but i didn't go too far into it i'm pretty sure the way we think today of introversion and extroversion in like a modern way is a little different than the original like theory that was developed, which was by Carl Jung. That's J-U-N-G. He was a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst in the late 1800s and early 1900s. He also worked a little bit with Sigmund Freud. I'm not really sure what they worked on together, but 
important things, probably. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Sigmund Freud. So Carl Jung is another big name in psychology. So he was one of the first to describe introversion and extroversion, if not the actual first. And the way he described it was that there were these attitude types, and that would be introversion and extroversion. And then he described these functional types, which are thinking, feeling, sensing, and intuiting. Oh, is is this where the whole Myers-Briggs stuff comes from? It is actually a good call. The Myers-Briggs is based on these archetypes that Carl Jung described. I feel like Myers-Briggs is more of a trying to get away from introversion and extroversion. Oh, like I think it breaks personality down into a lot of other okay. different boxes. Okay. I mean, it's interesting that you say it's like it was maybe an attempt to get away from introversion and extroversion because I feel like like most people who I've talked to about Myers-Briggs usually use it as a reference for their level of introversion or extroversion. Well, exactly. But I think the Myers-Briggs gives us more depth of personality than just saying I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. So I think okay. Myers-Briggs is, is it does use introversion and extroversion. But I think it's also trying to attempt to to give humans a little bit more credit for having more more depth to their personalities than one word or the other. That's kind of how I interpreted it. But so he noted that those fun, those mental functions, thinking, feeling, sensing and intuiting were usually displayed or experienced in a specific style, which usually correlated with whether or not this person was introverted or extroverted. And okay. so they would think and feel you know, either inwardly or outwardly. And so these different things we do, or like sense, you know, the environment or use our intuition in a specific way. And introverts and extroverts kind of do these in different ways. And before I finish talking about Carl Jung and mm -hmm. the fact that he came up with these ideas of extroversion and introversion, I thought it was really interesting. And I found this just on Wikipedia. <laughs> so what it says here, and I'm just going to read a little section, and then I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about what that means. In Carl Jung's Wikipedia entry, there's a specific section that's titled Extroversion and Introversion, and this is what it says. These two psychological types, Jung compares to ancient archetypes, Apollo and Dionysus. So these are the Greek and Roman gods, right? Apollo and Dionysus. That's so wild. And so here it says, the introvert is likened with Apollo who shines light on understanding. The introvert is focused on the internal world of reflection, dreaming, and vision. Thoughtful and insightful, the introvert can sometimes be uninterested in joining the activities of others. The extrovert is associated with Dionysus, interested with joining the activities of the world. The extrovert is focused on the outside world of objects, sensory perception, and action. Energetic and lively, the extrovert may lose their sense of self in the intoxication of Dionysian pursuits. That's very, very interesting. Isn't that so cool? I had no idea. So for those of you who aren't maybe explicitly aware, Apollo is most commonly referred to as the god of the sun and light and healing and diseases and truth and prophecy and music and dance. And Dionysus is a little more wild, right? Dionysus is the god of winemaking and wine, fertility, insanity, <laughs> ritual madness, religious ecstasy <laughs> and festivity in theater mm. so what do you think carl was that's a that's a great do you question think he'd consider himself an introvert he must have been an introvert because he was like yeah and the extroverts are freaking crazy like dionysus <laughs> and if you guys see dionysus like the portrayal of dionysus or bacchus right those are the same those are the same gods if you see those portrayals in in media it's always wild stuff it's always crazy yeah. stuff like orgies and drugs and getting drunk and all this crazy crazy stuff but i thought that that was really interesting that they were based on those archetypes yeah. <laughs> that is very interesting 
All right, moving on. We haven't really talked too much yet about any actual neuroscience, except for in the very beginning. We talked about types of neuroscience in the first episode. But we can talk a little bit about the neuroscience of personality. Yeah, that'd be interesting. What's the first part of the brain that you think of when you think of personality? (laughs) Maybe this goes to show how much outside of neuroscience I've come from, but frontal cortex? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, prefrontal cortex. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, why would that? Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I've, <laughs> I'm not confident in my answer. Oh, I get you. I get you. Yeah. So the prefrontal cortex, it's called the prefrontal cortex because it is the very front of our frontal cortex, which lies right behind our, our foreheads, basically. And it's called prefrontal, right? Because it's in the very, it's preceding the rest of the frontal brain, which goes kind of backward toward the backs of our head. And it's kind of like in the middle of the head. This is a part of the brain that is involved in a lot of the things we would call like human characteristics. So being able to think and create and make judgments, our morals and ethics kind of are born in the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And anything that has to do with decision making, any goal oriented behavior that requires planning, that's all prefrontal. Those are all prefrontal functions and we call those executive functioning did you have something to me- to mention i i guess coming from a systems perspective when i hear decision making my mind immediately goes to striatum but then that's typically considered like prefrontal cortex is like top-down modulation like inhibition right. decisions yeah i mean and there's also very different kinds of depends on what kind of decision making you're thinking about i think sure. the kind of decision making that happens in humans is is really complex kind of decision making, which I think is kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if it is regulated by other regions as well, which it definitely mm-hmm. is, I'm sure. But I think where things get kind of gray is when we try to, you know, convince ourselves of one thing or another, and we use the the rules and the laws of our, of our brain coming from the prefrontal cortex in order to execute some of these decisions. That's kind of how I think about it. Okay, but that's my own personal like way to think about it. The prefrontal cortex, I think, is a really interesting part of the brain. I mean, it's very nebulous and everything, but it is definitely part of the brain that makes us human. Without the prefrontal cortex, we would be a very different kind of species. Perhaps so. I mean, I think there's a lot of like implicit assumption there going on about what what these areas are, are doing. Um, and I maybe from a different perspective, you might think of the interactions of all the different areas and how the activities coordinated across is sort of what defines humanness. But then yeah, I, I think it's hard true. to, yeah. And I think it's hard to place your finger on what exactly humanness is. And so, well, I think I'm, personality would be a huge part of whatever it means to be human, right. To develop a personality. But I mean, I think it's fair to say that we see that animals have personality. Oh, I agree. Too. That's, that's definitely so. true. That's definitely true. That's just the way I kind of like to describe it generally. The words that Paul just used were perfect perfect words from a neuroscience student. You know what I mean? That's exactly how we're trained to think. We're not supposed to say, yeah, the prefrontal cortex, that's personality, and that's the only place it lies. That was a really good input. And so the cortex, too, just to let people know a little bit, it comes from, I think it comes from the Latin term. It, it, it's derived from the Latin term for bark, like on a tree. Oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, like I the outer layer. Cortex, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it comes from, uh, the word for bark isn't cortex. It's like, 
something something corticubus or some something oh, but um so that's a way to think about what part we're talking about when we're looking inside of this region and the cortex is the gray matter of a brain if you google gray matter the first thing that'll pop up is a picture of a brain sliced kind of like as if somebody's looking directly at you that's like a coronal slice is what we call that and uh, the outer layer is the gray matter which is where the cell bodies lie and the white matter the white matter is the uh, the axon tracks covered in their white myelin sheaths projecting to a bunch of other different regions right so the axons what you can think of those as if you don't know what those are i don't feel like looking it up are basically our brain cells have these really long tails and these are the tails through which signals are sent to other brain cells. Yeah, they're like the relays of the information. Yes, exactly. So if the prefrontal cortex is damaged, it gets really interesting. And I think that this is how we kind of first discovered that one of its major functions is that it inhibits irrelevant actions. It inhibits a lot of urges we get, you know. So if we have a functional prefrontal cortex, we are better at keeping our mouth shut. If somebody gets us angry, for instance... Inhibition is just a, another way to describe slowing down something. So if you inhibit behavior, it means you're producing the ability to withhold that behavior and not outwardly like act it out. Block it, basically. Yeah, to block it. And of course, inhibition and activation, those are kind of opposites of each other. They work together in different amounts to cause different behavioral outputs. And so sometimes people have more or less inhibition in these regions and a lot of the times it could be because of their lifestyle and how their brain has developed over the years. So that kind of leads us, or at least that's kind of where I thought we could start with, with introversion and extroversion, because a lot of people see <laughs> introverts as inhibited kind of socially. And that's not a, supposed to be a bad thing. That's more like they keep a little bit more quiet to themselves. They have more internal thought processes rather than extroverts who might speak their mind right away or speak without thinking, quote unquote. A lot of people will say, think before you speak. I think that probably applies mostly to extroverts more than introverts in a general, general sense. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten that once or twice. <laughs> I figured we can just kind of answer some questions and see how we, we answer them differently. Because yeah, Paul I, identifies with being an introvert. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I identify with being an extrovert. Huge introvert. <laughs> If I had to pick one, I don't like putting ourselves in a box as humans, mm -hmm. being like, I'm one or the other. And I'm not saying I don't like my alone time, which we'll get into, because I really need my alone time too. But a lot of people don't think that extroverts kind of go home and sit in their bed and don't do anything. But that's also like a big part of my life. And also, Paul, you're really social. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes like, I mean, we're, we're humans. And I think a big part of being human is craving social interaction. We Definitely. We love that. Uh, but god do i love my alone time <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and and i do too but i do you know especially during quarantine i'm like okay like time for friends again soon right like i can go visit friends and family i'm thriving <laughs> thriving yeah i think that's a big thing right now is a lot of there's a lot of jokes out there about yeah. how extroverts are slowly dying every day during mm -hmm. quarantine and introverts are having this time of their life and glow ups yeah <laughs> glow ups <laughs> But I, yeah, I don't want to give the impression that I am thriving during all this. It's definitely a struggle, but I'm doing better than I thought I was. And we're not trying to be representative of all extroverts and all introverts. Everybody is very, very different. And yes. all of our personalities range 
on multiple different spectrums, and that's what gives us unique, different kinds of people. So let's talk about some opinions, opinionados. Oh boy. Oh boy. I kind of just have listed a bunch of questions. I figured I'll ask you, and then I'll you can answer, and then I can answer. Yeah, yeah go for it. I'm ready. Okay, so number one, Paul, are you comfortable with confrontation? That's a tough one for me to answer because I I will avoid confrontation, but I am not uncomfortable with confrontation. If I'm there, I'll engage with it. I totally agree with that with you specifically. <laughs> and I think that comes from just a really, really stubborn perspective on a lot of things. Um, it, it takes a lot for me to change my mind about something. And so I feel like I've I've defaulted to sort of a pessimistic personality because of that. And whether that's good or bad, that's another discussion maybe. But yeah, like I don't I don't know. I'm fine with confrontation, especially if things are really annoying me. If things mm-hmm. are like in my space, in my bubble, then Yeah. Yeah. I mean just just before we started recording, I was being a little bit snippy to Paul and he was like, <laughs> I don't know if I like you being sassy to me right now. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't I don't know. Just Let's do the episode. But meanwhile, he's laying on the floor in this really in weird pain. position just so we can record this episode. So I do appreciate it. I didn't mean to be snippy. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. Don't That's, do it again. <laughs> I, but I do think that, uh, in my opinion, and again, this is me generalizing, but I do think a lot of the introverts I know are very fearful of confrontation. People in general passive are fearful of confrontation. Reserve. Yeah, a little more passive than an extrovert, maybe. I can see it. But you're you're a good example of somebody who, if something's bugging you you're gonna speak up you're not gonna you're not just gonna be passive and let it slide you'll be like hey this this is what i I think that i feel like that that like particular aspect where i i feel like a lot of people do credit that sort of passiveness to introversion but i think it also just has to do i i would be curious to know if there's sort of like an age-related effect there because i feel like it has to do with life experience because people who have experienced less and maybe if they're introverted who have experienced less might naturally be more passive to things, but as they get older, experience things, just get tired of people's shit. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe it's natural to sort of stiffen and become more stubborn. But well, I don't really consider you stubborn. I really I consider you to just like you'll challenge somebody if you think they're wrong, but you won't challenge somebody. I don't know if if there was like a social situation that required confrontation. I think you would maybe be a little bit less inclined maybe to bring it up. But if there's like a a factual confrontation that has to happen, like just before when I was generalizing the PFC, the prefrontal cortex, right? That's what a lot of neuroscientists will abbreviate it as. You were like, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's where personality is, but, you know, probably not also. So that was like a good example of, you know, not just taking what I'm saying at face value. I don't know. For me, I mean... (laughs) Maybe I enjoy confrontation a little bit too much, <laughs> and I think this is really intimidating to a lot of people, and I've gotten a lot of feedback. Actually, I wouldn't consider it feedback. I've gotten a lot of people to tell me that I'm just a little too intense, quote-unquote. That's a thing that extroverts mm. get all the time. You're too intense or obnoxious, right? But I think a lot of the times, you know, I'm not just confrontational for the sake of it, but if there's a miscommunication, I'm I'm the one to be like, huh, well... There was a miscommunication, right? And then other people will tend to kind of be like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. And I'll be like, no, let's let's talk about it. We should all kind of communicate about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But me being that way, it's also rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. 
in a lot of different situations, but it's also helped me in a lot of situations. So I think confrontation is good. And I also think people confuse confrontation with being a negative thing. Like I think in our, the world we live in right now, it's like, I don't, I don't like confrontation as if it's this like scary social activity, Mm. but I feel like we can really benefit from confronting people about, you know, Hey, well, you said this and it kind of hurt my feelings. So moving forward, that you know, that kind of annoyed me, just so you know, that kind of behavior. And then hopefully that other person can be like, oh, right, my bad. And kind of learn from that situation. Adjust accordingly. Yeah, and adjust accordingly, if, if necessary. Yeah. How about, how do you think people perceive you? I mean, I feel like this almost ties in more with my social anxiety than anything. Um Good self-awareness. Thanks. And, and it's funny you say self-awareness because I feel like that's what it boils down to is self-awareness. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I, I, it used to bother me a lot whether I recognized it or not. Um, what, what used to bother you? Like the idea of how others are perceiving me. Oh, I get you. And I, I feel like that, that, that definitely held me back in a lot of ways. Um, I think it does hold most people back in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't give yourself, you know, I wouldn't say that's particularly. Anyway, go on, sorry. But I mean, like, almost to, like, what? what's the word I'm like trying to Like, to a fault, you mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and, I, like, I specifically think back to, like, some of my, like, really younger days, like, elementary, middle, and even into high school, um, where I was, like, struggling with mental health, but, like, didn't necessarily have the education or awareness around that. Um, and so, like, I like really held back a lot of like everything basically mm-hmm. um like I, I i closed off a lot of doors on my own just because you were maybe worried about how people would judge you yeah it if yeah you like your mind or something really affected me and so i i oftentimes didn't speak up or out or speak at all mm-hmm. uh, like i can talk to some of my like great friends now that i knew in high school and they they'll all tell you that like I rarely spoke and I didn't speak because I was like so filled with social anxiety. And I guess it's because I never felt like I was part of an end crowd mm-hmm. at all. Um, and so like back then I obviously never understood it as like, Oh, I care about the perception of others on how they're, how they're seeing me. But, like look, looking back now, I obviously recognize that that was the case. Um, but now like, like going, going through my like, emotions growing up going through college learning about mental health like getting help and whatnot uh i i like now perception obviously it's still it, it obviously affects everybody to some degree in some capacity but i feel like it, it definitely doesn't bother me as much anymore and i feel like that's because i'm i, I i'm more embracing of my own image yeah um and so i feel like that that comes with a level of self-awareness yeah um, I agree. understanding who i am what like how i respond to things um and maybe being like proud of the person you've become instead yeah, of more yeah worried about how people would care about uh-huh the and, you had. yeah and it bra- it breaks a lot of that social like anxiety tension for me when yeah. it comes to all of that so i feel like all those things are like really closely tied together yeah i agree i think the self-awareness key was that was good because I think we all do go through that adolescent stage of caring what people think, but that still doesn't stop, you know, people from being intro or extroverted. But in our adulthood, it's nice to at least gain some of this confidence to be a little bit more true version of ourself. 
openly with others. Definitely. And I, I think we, we should also be cognizant of the fact that like these perception and like you said, like adolescent self-awareness or something, I like that still carries over into adulthood and could last and will probably last definitely last your lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like that it doesn't go away. We just have to learn like our, ourselves it. and how like we respond with others. So. Right. And you're right though. I think that that does kind of come with age because with life and with age comes more experiences and mm-hmm. with more experiences we can make more accurate social deductions in other situations. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> what about yourself? I uh I'm learning recently how a lot of people perceive me. I mean, I like to generally describe myself as a good person. <laughs> and I try not to be too mean or anything to anybody. I try to make a lot of people feel comfortable all the time. I'm learning now that because I do go out of my way to be really friendly sometimes or kind of just I'll attempt to make people feel more comfortable in a lot of situations, especially when I can sense that maybe somebody feels a little bit uncomfortable at a party or like at work or those kinds of situations. And uh, recently part of my journey in figuring out a little bit more about myself and learning about myself is <laughs> using my, my ability of confrontation. I will ask people directly now that I'm good friends with like, what did you think of me when you first met me? And it's just funny when I get some of these responses, like one of my friends told me, <laughs> he was like, I have to be honest. I just, I just couldn't believe that you were real. I thought you were real? so fake about every single <laughs> thing you said because when we just first met, and this guy that I'm talking about, he's really cool, but he's a very, very like quiet individual, very introverted, like to a T, def- like textbook definition. And when I first met him, he was my friend's boyfriend, and you know now they're getting married soon. But he was, you know, an important person to somebody important to me in my life. So I was trying to like make him feel comfortable and be like, yo, tell me about your life. Tell me about your job. Tell me about you. Where are you from? What do you do? What's your family like? And he told me, he was like, I just don't think somebody would care that much. You know, I just, I just assumed you were being fake because who cares that much about learning more about these other people? I think what he learned over time too, is just that I care so much for the girl that he's with that I want to know, you know, more about him because that's just important to me. But I just thought that was really interesting. And now after after having my first uh, year of graduate school a couple of years ago, I think a lot of people misinterpreted my behavior in a lot of ways where I got I kind of got socially exiled a little bit here and there. Actually, not here or there. Like I was very socially exiled. And I, there, a little bit of that was also my own fault. But I would be very open with people. And, you know, I would hear some students in my program talk badly about other students in the program and I would stick up for these people and be like, yo, whoa, why are we even why are we even spending energy on this? Why are we talking about these people like this? And they would be like, well, no, 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 you're just missing. No, no, come on. We're just we're just having fun. We're just talking. We're, you're just misinterpreting it. And I was always like, no, dude, like if you're going to talk like this about people, like I'm not going to hang out with you guys anymore. And I made that very clear. And that's actually kind of what happened. But I got kind of the social boot for that. So that was a really interesting situation for me because I usually I'm really easily adaptable when it comes to social situations. Mm. Yeah. I'm also learning that a lot of people think I'm sarcastic all the time, which is funny because I'm like pretty much 0% sarcastic unless it's an obvious joke. I, <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel like you come off sarcastic. Yeah, kind of. yeah, for sure. But I mean, I'm better friends with you. I wouldn't be sarcastic at the level I am with you than I would with a lot of other people. Okay. 
at least in my opinion. But there you go. That's another a perception that, you know, Apollo's perception of me. Yeah. But I remember, and sorry, I won't talk too much longer about this, no, but no. I remember a kid in my cohort had a really good idea for this app. I forget what it was, but he had this idea to create an app for whatever, some something that hadn't been done yet. It was this, maybe it had something to do with sports, honestly. I really can't remember. And he <laughs> describes the idea and I go, yo, that's a really good idea. And he just looks at me <laughs> and I go, dude, that's like a really good idea. You should go for that. He just, it's just silent. And there's like a couple other people there too. And he just looks at me with these wide eyes and I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? And he goes, I really can't tell if you're being serious or not. Right now. <laughs> and I look at him and I'm like, no, dude, I'm being serious. That's a really cool, unique idea. You should consider trying to develop that. <laughs> and he was just like, uh, okay, got it. Like, he just never took it as a compliment. And I was like, wow, I just straight up complimented this person and they took it as an insult. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, perhaps, like, it, it could have very well been the way you said it. I obviously wasn't yeah. there. Um, but, I mean, it it also might just reflect his own like doubts about his own That's well, kind I wouldn't of what I call thinking. it insecurities. But No, you don't think it's insecure for somebody to get a compliment and think it's an insult? Well, <laughs> like I mean, very clear I, I don't want to psychoanalyze somebody from a 20-second interaction, but what I, like he might have doubts about the app specifically, so his perception of your speech was maybe different. No, you're right. And But the thing was, he was so excited telling us about it, and I remember being like, I want to I want to positively oh, reinforce this. <laughs> and then I was like, whoops, I guess I'll learn how not to do that in the future. <laughs> That's funny. I want to touch on one thing oh, yeah. real Go quick about perception. Uh, the very first thing that you had brought up was uh, asking about how others perceive you. I, I've also asked multiple people um, kind of recently, like what their perception of me was when I met them. And in the past, like when I was definitely much more reserved and passive about things, like people could tell that I was a reserved, passive and sort of withdrawn individual. Uh, but more recently, what I've gotten is people and like, I, I don't want to come off in some like macho or egotistic way, but like people have said they're intimidated by me. Oh, no, I don't think that's egotistic at all. And it's just been very weird for me to hear that because I told you the other day that, that I can totally see you being intimidating to people. <laughs> but it's it's just so odd for me knowing that I can't, I like five, ten years ago, I was in a place where I was maybe the least intimidating kind of individual that people would perceive. And then all of a sudden now people are intimidated by me. And I don't know if my passive quietness have has turned into like shy little boy over here to like stoic who knows what the heck this guy's thinking about <laughs> over here and like i don't know there's like a weird there's a weird transition there somewhere and i haven't fully pieced it together but it baffles me that people think i'm intimidating because i'm certainly not trying to like put that out in the world i don't want to be intimidating i want to be approachable <laughs> i mean so that's right i think that's a you know a clashing of our perceptions we both think that we're approachable human beings and we both get told we're intimidating for different reasons. The reason I get told I'm intimidating is usually it's because of my my tendency to confront people about literally everything if I feel it's necessary. I feel like you get pe that you're intimidating because you're just a very articulate, like especially as an articulate scientist. I mean, I don't know really how you feel about your self-image or you know how self-confident you are, but you come off very confident and you come off very well-educated and intelligent. And I think that just those those very characteristics are really intimidating to some people because it's it's like that's what people want to be, right? They want to be able to articulate their thoughts really well and 
think before they speak and be calm, cool, and collected. That's kind of how I see you is very calm, cool, and collected. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird hearing that because I'm a like, social no, anxious mess. And like these are the right. exact fears that like I'm having when I like first meet people. And so like I, I don't know whether to take it as a compliment in a weird way or whether I should be adjusting my behaviors. I don't know. It's it's just a weird thing, and I, I haven't fully fleshed it out. You have to remember, though, people who call other people intimidating, they have an idea of who they are themselves. So if somebody intimidates them, it's because they think, for some reason, this person who's intimidating is, you know, maybe better in some way. And that's what makes somebody intimidating. You know, not, I'm not saying, like, generally a better person, but either smarter or funnier or more attractive or all these things, and we compare ourselves to others. And so... Well, I guess it's... I do a good job at feigning the illusion of being <laughs> smarter, but I guarantee you I'm not. No, I think that's a, a big one. That's one of the tasks as an adult is to take this kind of personal behavioral feedback and think about it and kind of assess whether or not we think it's important enough to make a more permanent change in the future in our behavior. I mean, I've done, I've made a lot of changes to my personalities based to my personalities, my most personalities, <laughs> to my personality. That. Because of people's reactions to different things that I've said, and yeah, oh, I mean, I think I, yeah, that's I've, a huge part of it. I've certainly adjusted my my personality quite a bit. Oh, I have so many good questions here, but <laughs> Let's throw the next one. Okay, so how would you describe your sense of humor? My sense of humor, and do you think it's at all reflective <laughs> of whether or not you're an introvert or an extrovert? Oh. Do you think people in general have different senses of humors because of their identity with the versions? This is a good question, but a hard question. I was thinking about it, too. I was like, huh. I feel like I've met different people and I have different answers. But You go first on this one. I'm going to have to think. Okay. I do think at some level it affects. Like, I think my extroversion gives me more, I guess, confidence or it gives me more of a green light, less inhibition, if you will, to make silly comments or silly jokes. And do you... Do you... Do you think there's a like a sense of like how refined a sense? Maybe this is getting more into like how comedy works. But do you think there's a more refined sense of how like humor is like like sent or portrayed um, when there is more confidence and less inhibition behind it? I do. I do kind of think that. But at the same time, I've met a lot of really funny people who deliver these jokes in really bland, stoic ways. Dry humor. Dry humor. And you have kind of some dry humor. I feel like sometimes. And uh, I think sometimes that's hilarious, too, but they're still not really inhibited from making these jokes or maybe like dark humor. Some people can definitely be introverted and have this dark humor. Mm -hmm. I think that's even more hilarious when this person is quiet all the time and then all of a sudden somebody makes like a really funny ass comment. And then you're like, wow, I didn't know. uh, (laughs) Didn't know you could make jokes, you know what I mean? (laughs) Or that you were at least comfortable with making jokes. And I think that's also people's latency to like how long it takes them when they meet somebody new to make jokes uh-huh. i think is also maybe part of an introversion extroversion thing yeah could go here and there probably i could see that i could see that yeah i've met some funny introverts i'll tell you that much oh i have too yeah i don't know what what to like speak into that my sense of humor is just odd in general um I know that when I find something funny, I really find it funny. That's very <laughs> and true. Jeff has called me on multiple times. <laughs> I love it when Paul cracks himself up. Sometimes <laughs> he will just kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, 
and like I don't know if that's a symptom of me being like so in my head and like reserved most of the time. I I have become comfortable with my own sense of humor for myself. Right. That you're just <laughs> you're just there trying to make it happen for yourself. Exactly. I love that. And so may, maybe that speaks to introversion. I don't know. No, I, I, I think I'm a pretty funny person. <laughs> So, <laughs> great y'all heard it here folks <laughs> yeah i have another kind of like i have so many i have stories on stories about all the weird social awkward situations that i i had to go through in the first year of graduate school and i'm, I'm really glad <laughs> that i had these experiences because i i i, I it has it has thrown me for a loop it was it was something i really had to adapt to i remember once i was in the car with five people in my program we were on the way to the beach. Uh, this is right in the beginning of when I met them. And we're all trying to hang out, spend a little time together. I'm in the middle in the back seat. So I'm like, you know, obviously center of attention because that's an extrovert. <laughs> I'm talking. And so one of the girls is talking about how upset she is because she just ended up breaking up with her boyfriend of a really long time. And I, I was just trying to make it like a little more laughable, a situation, make her feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you know, sad about how this has happened. And Prior to this, she was talking about how she's going to miss his dog. And then I go, yeah, but you know what the best part is about that? And she goes, what? And I go, at least you just don't have to worry about when the dog dies. God, that's so awful. I thought this was like so funny in my head. I thought people were going to be like, ha ha ha. Oh my God. True. LOL. And the car just fell silent. Dead silent. And the driver in the car just goes, uh, Jeff, are, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, what? I, I, my bad, guys. Yeah, I didn't. My bad. That was that was a poor joke. Oh. So that was an example of when I kind of thought I knew my audience a little bit more than I did, and it didn't fly. No. Didn't fly. That was that was the beginning. Yeah. See, that's something that I would never do in a group of five people in a car. She's like, "Yeah, I don't want the dog to die." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but but, no, but it's I was like, it doesn't matter because you won't know anyway. <laughs> You'll never know." You just went for it anyway. Just kept going. Yeah. That was oh. always really funny to me. This story is even funnier now. The funniest part about the whole story is hearing it and thinking about, like, just sitting in the middle of this car and things falling dead silent and just knowing, like, the flood of anxiety that would, like, wash over me in that moment. There you go. My bad. If you're you're listening and you know who you are, my bad. Sorry about that. (laughs) This next one's going to be kind of funny to talk about. All right. All right. Would you ever make an unnecessary comment to a stranger? Unnecessary. Define unnecessary. So I'll give you a hint. Cool shoes. (laughs) (laughs) we don't have to say your name or anything on here but we have to tell this story uh no (laughs) god no you don't want to tell the story you can tell the story i would never make a comment you wouldn't make (laughs) just because it's (laughs) my mo in life it's to not make people feel uncomfortable so (laughs) i don't know no (laughs) so paul and i have this funny little story i don't even remember how we came about figuring it out i don't either but so what happened was I walk to and from work all the time, right? I walk to NIH because I live about maybe 20 minutes away. And uh, there's a Harris Teeter, which is a grocery store, right on the corner of a road before I get back to my house. And so I'm walking home. I'm at the intersection, waiting at the intersection. And I see this girl also waiting at the intersection, you know, young girl, about probably around my age. And she's wearing headphones. So I actually don't even know if she could hear this. I think later I learned that she did hear Mm -hmm. this. Uh, She's wearing headphones and she's wearing these shoes that are really cool. They're like these little slip-ons with a bunch of DNA molecules on it, like these cute cartoon (laughs) DNA molecules. And as we're waiting at the intersection, 
And I think the walk sign comes on. So I said it, of course, at a really awkward time, like right when we start to cross the road. And I was like, hey, cool shoes. (laughs) Which is fine, I guess. And then she kind of like notices I said something to her and turns around and just like kind of like half smiles and then keeps walking. Anyway, so fast forward to like a week later, maybe I'm going on the same route. This time I go into the grocery store to get a couple things and I'm at the self-checkout. Boop, 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 booping my stuff. I just look down and I see directly next to me to my right at the next self-checkout machine. I see this girl with these cool DNA shoes (laughs) that are the same shoes that I pointed out the other day. I didn't get a good look at her face the first time, so I wasn't sure if it was the same girl, but I was pretty sure it was the same girl. Same area, same shoes. (laughs) So then I look at her and I go, hey, it's cool shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And she just looks at me and just kind of like half laughs and it's just like, yeah. And I was just like, (laughs) yeah, cool shoes or something. I'd finish doing my stuff, get my bag. I'm done before her. I walk away and then I go, see you later, cool shoes. Oh my God. (laughs) So at this point, I was like, this is a friendly interaction, right? This is kind of funny. Anyway, again, fast forward. We later put it together somehow. I don't know. Maybe you told me you were talking to her and she said something about her shoes. I really don't remember. Well, yeah, I think you just gave it away. Turns out Paul knows this girl. (laughs) girl. And he like knows her pretty well. Knows her well enough that she's texting him about this weird guy (laughs) who was like, you have cool shoes. And it was weird. And then I was like, dude, wait. That was me or something. I forget exactly how it, how it came about. Look back, but yeah. Anyway, it was really funny to me. We eventually actually met and we talked about it and discussed it. And she, I don't think she was having it either way, to be totally honest. <laughs> so that was just my little cool shoes story. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, going back to the main question, I don't see myself ever going that far with something. I, I might like give a comment like, hey, like those are, those are some neat shoes. Like, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably not. I thought they were really then, cool. Like, going for it and then calling them the compliment. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, there you go. Misperception. That's a clash of perceptions right away. Obviously, I would definitely say arbitrary comments to strangers. Just the other day, I went to the pharmacy and complimented the pharmacist on her mask. I was like, yeah, I like your mask. It was like little foxes or something on her mask. Oh, oh that's cute. But she took it really well. She was like, oh, my God, thank you. My friend made it for me. It's so cool. She makes a bunch. Boom. So sometimes it's a hit or miss, those kinds of interactions. Mm-hmm. Also, the pharmacist was helping me, so it was actually, like, relevant for me to say something. Yeah, yeah. See, it's, it's, in a situation like that, it would be <laughs> easier once, like, there was dialogue and like, a conversation. Okay, here's another good one. Do you talk to yourself when you're alone? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I feel like this ranges. Yeah, yeah, I talk to myself. It's are there people who don't? I feel like that would be odd. I, you know, that's a great question. I think maybe it's the amount and which we talk to ourselves, or the volume, or the volume. <laughs> <laughs> people hear me talk to myself all the time, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, sorry, just talking to myself." And they're like, "Freaking weirdo." <laughs> yeah, I do it too. It's mostly under my breath, but yeah, I talk to myself. Yeah, and it's it's just like, what am I like? What am I doing in this moment? Like, oh, I need to go check this. Oh, I need to like write this down. Oh, I need to I need to call this number. Yeah. Like all, I do a lot like of narrating. Repeating mental notes to yeah. myself. My memory is garbage. In my opinion, I don't think that's very indicative of whether or not someone's introverted or extroverted. I think that's probably just a general yeah. human thing that a lot of people do at different levels. Yeah. Oh, man, I have so many extra questions, but we're kind of running out of time. Yeah, this is going on a good bit. All right, we can do this last one, I guess. I had so many other good ones, but we, we, we hit a lot of good ones today. Maybe we can have a part two. Yeah. <laughs> if maybe, people yeah, like true. this, let us know. Do you enjoy meeting new people? Do I? Yes. I actually love 
love, love, love meeting new people. But, but <laughs> where the introversion comes in is that I almost never go out of my way to meet new people. Okay. Where That's like fair. I've I've definitely done it before, and it usually is very rewarding. It's always rewarding to meet new people. Um, and I, I feel like I'm getting better at it. Uh, it, it is much more. It's much easier now than ten years ago when I was like swamped with social anxiety to meet new people but yeah yeah i love it i think a lot of introverts like to meet people i think it's energizing at some level since we're social creatures to meet new people maybe maybe it's different how we want to meet them yeah maybe you prefer one-on-one kind of meeting instead of a party environment exactly yeah that you nailed it right there is if it's like in a party environment or a big group i i will almost never speak up in a large group Mm -hmm. just because it it's it's overwhelming. It's a, it's a huge bump to get over, um, but like one on one, that is yeah, maybe like, have a mutual friend introduce you, and you're yeah. all free talking and getting to know each other. Yes, that yeah. is that is ideal. I it's, it's comfortable. There's like there's no there's no roadblocks in the way of that for me in like the social anxiety sense. But that's a good answer. I feel like me personally. I mean, I absolutely love meeting new people, but I mean, I've met a good share of people, and it, I don't always love the person after I talk to them, but I, I like the act of kind yeah. of getting myself out there socially and meeting others. Everyone's other so different. Everyone has such a unique story, and I, I always love hearing that. Agreed. So, yeah, I mean, these are just a, a couple questions that I just kind of jotted down. I figured this would be an interesting kind of perspective to, to sit back and listen to someone who identifies as an introvert and someone who identifies as an extrovert, mainly at least. And to see kind of how we have similarities and where we have differences. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, neither one nor the other is better. You know, I don't think it's better to be oh, an no. introvert or an extrovert. Variety is... There, there's a quote there. It's variety good. Is, yeah, there's, there's <laughs> a Variety quote. is good. <laughs> variety is good. Yeah, and if you like this kind of stuff or uh, want to ask us a little more about it, uh, you can follow us on Twitter or you can email us direct questions at our Gmail. What are those, Jeff? The Gmail is brainydays.podcast at gmail.com and the Twitter account is at brainy underscore days. We don't have too much up there just yet, but feel free to start following us. Give us a DM if you want. Uh, If you have any episode topic ideas or something you want to throw out there or have anything really in general to ask us or maybe correct us even if if we said something Yeah, please. Please correct us if we are wrong. Hope we made your rainy days a little brainier today. Do you like that, Paul? No. I, I'll never it. like it. He hates it. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your permission. Thank you.